If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Welcome to Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom, the podcast where I get to speak with people who see the wrong in the world and are driven to make it right. My guest today spent most of her academic career teaching and writing on issues of domestic violence and victimization. But after more than three decades in, she met someone whose story of wrongful conviction opened her eyes to another kind of victim. I found that people who've been wrongly convicted have been really ignored in the space of victimology. The key difference is in a domestic violence situation, the batterer is typically a significant other. In a wrongful conviction, the abuser is our criminal justice system. But the impact and the effects of the abuse really are quite parallel. Right now on Righteous Convictions, Dr. Nikki Ali Jackson. Welcome back to Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom. My guest today has a PhD in victimization and is a criminal justice professor and warrior at Purdue University Northwest in Indiana. She started her career focused mainly on domestic violence. In fact, in 2007, she published the first ever Encyclopedia of Domestic Violence. But in 2016, she experienced an aha moment. And I'll let her tell you about that later. But that moment led her to a career pivot 
that bridges the gap between victimization and mass incarceration. Now she's hard at work righting some of the wrongs that come about as a result of wrongful convictions. Dr. Nikki Ali Jackson, welcome to Righteous Convictions. Thank you. So, Nikki, tell us how you got started on this incredible journey. Start at the very beginning, if you would. Okay, well, I was actually, I was born in Pakistan, and my father's a professor, and we end up coming to Canada for him to finish up his PhD, and then he got a job at Ball State University. We moved to Muncie when I was about, I think I was five, and so I pretty much grew up in Muncie, and my father is an academic, so I grew up in this whole sphere of academia. My uncles are professors, so I was very fortunate. I went to a high school that was a laboratory school, and my teachers were all professors. So again, it kind of, you know, academia was just right in front of my face. So I, I went to college, and I started off as a social work major, and I recognized that that really wasn't what was of interest to me. And I ended up taking a criminal justice course literally down the hall. And that was it. I had just like fallen in love with this course. And I changed my major after one criminal justice class. And then you end up as Dr. Jackson. So how does that title figure into it? So I have my PhD in sociology with a criminal justice kind of concentration. And my dissertation and my research has really focused on domestic violence. That's really where I've spent the bulk of my career is in the space of domestic violence. And you've published a couple of books on the sociological and psychological factors surrounding domestic violence as well. So what is it about this field that fascinates you particularly? What I wanted to do in the space of domestic violence, and I think this is just who I am, I know that there's research out there, but I know that there's more work to be done. And back in the day when I started doing research in the early 90s on DV issues, I recognized that males had been ignored. I recognized that same-sex partners were, were ignored in the, in the literature. Therefore, I wanted to bring something to life which acknowledged a host of different types of victims of domestic violence. Keep in mind, when I was in college, I started in 1981, very long time ago, domestic violence wasn't something people were talking about. Shelters were just starting to emerge. We just didn't know a whole lot about it. So back in, in the early 80s, this was really a new area of victimology. So fast forward, you end up with the work you're doing now in the wrongful conviction space. And it seems like you made kind of a sudden career pivot here although I'm sure there's all kinds of connections we can talk about, and maybe you can help us connect those dots. So what is it that brought you here? I think I've always had this real care for people who are victimized, and I found that people who've been wrongly convicted have been really ignored in the space of victimology, and that is why I think my work, my research, all of the media that I do is really important because I want people to understand that they, just like domestic violence victims, have been victimized. The key difference is in a domestic violence situation, the batterer is typically a significant other. In a wrongful conviction, the abuser is our criminal justice system. But the impact 
and the effects of the abuse really are quite parallel. And then as I understand it, there was one case that really got under your skin and got your full attention and sent you down the path you're on right now. Tell us about Willie Donald. Sure. So about six and a half years ago, I was reading an article in a newspaper about a man who'd been wrongly convicted and released here in Indiana. He had spent almost 24 years in prison for robberies and a homicide he did not commit. I couldn't believe what I was reading. I'd been a professor for so many years. And all of a sudden, I, I, I understood that people had been wrongly convicted. But for whatever reason, this case just like literally stood out. Maybe seeing a picture of him in his prison uniform um, looked really um, just, it was a very sad photo to look at. He was super vulnerable. And I just, I wanted to know more about this man. I called our prosecutor, who's a very good friend of mine. He was at my wedding 27 years ago. And I asked him, I said, Bernie, did this guy commit this crime? And he said, he did not 100% innocent. And I asked him, what are you doing? What, what, what is the state doing? And after I screamed, you locked up the wrong guy? Oh, my God, you locked up the wrong guy for 24 years. And he's like, yeah, we did. And I'm like, what are you going to do for him? And they're really, the answer was nothing. There's nothing we're going to do for him. And I was outraged. I have to tell you, it takes a lot to get me that angry. I was angry. I was on fire. You lock a kid up at 22, you release him at the age of 46, and there's nothing, there's zero you're doing to help this man. It, it was just, it was mind boggling. And that's when I reached out to the attorney and asked to meet with Mr. Donald. Um, and thankfully, Mr. Donald agreed to meet with me. And um, we met in a diner. And um, I learned of what had happened to him, his entire ordeal. Um, actually, I learned pretty, I thought I learned it all. But every time I speak to him, I learn another little piece of the, of the ordeal. And I get more annoyed and more aggravated every time I hear something um, about his case or other people's cases. So Mr. Donald shared um, the fact that he had been wrongly convicted on a mistaken witness identification. And Mr. Donald's picture was in this photo lineup and it should, the photo shouldn't have even been in there. It was a photo from when he was picked up by the police for uh, what they believed was an auto theft. When the police recognized that the car had not been stolen, the damage had already been done. They'd already taken his photo and they, put it into wherever they store it. And then they brought that photo out into this lineup. And for whatever reason, two women picked Mr. Donald out, even though he did not match the description of the actual perpetrator based on five different witnesses testimony. I mean, five different witnesses had described him in a whole different way than what Mr. Donald looked like. All right, so you've just met with this guy. He's told you this this unreal story. You've seen what happened to him. What did you do next? Well, the first thing I did was sit in my, my truck, and I just broke down crying after I met Mr. Don. Literally left the diner, sat in my truck, and was like, oh, my God, this man has been locked up for 24 years. He doesn't probably trust anybody. He doesn't know me. How am I going to gain his trust? I, 
what am I going to do? Remember, I, I work with domestic violence victims, not people who've been wrongly convicted. And yet here I'm sitting at this breakfast with this man making all of these promises to him. I'm going to get a compensation bill started here in Indiana. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to do this. And I'm sitting in my car, literally having a complete ugly cry because I don't know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it. But I made a promise to Mr. Donald and I keep my word. The Pacers Foundation is a proud supporter of this episode of Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom and of the Last Mile Organization, which provides business and tech training to help incarcerated individuals successfully and permanently re-enter the workforce. The Pacers Foundation is committed to improving the lives of Hoosiers across Indiana, supporting organizations that are dedicated primarily to helping young people and students. For more information on the work of the Pacers Foundation or the Last Mile program, visit PacersFoundation.org or TheLastMile.org. Once I heard about Mr. Donald's ordeal and the fact that there were no reparations for this man or any man or woman in the state of Indiana who had been exonerated, I, I... I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. So what I did is I literally got home. I emailed Barry Sheck with the Innocence Project and said, I need some help here. Didn't think he was going to respond to me because he doesn't know me and doesn't know my university. And in the the next morning, I got a response from Mr. Sheck and said, thank you for being a voice for the voiceless in Indiana. And our office will help you in any way we can. I decided I wanted to reach senators and I sit on two prison boards. So what I did was I went to my prison boards and looked to see which senators are sitting on the board. So I emailed the senator and I emailed another senator and a, a state rep and had them come to a dinner before I even talked to the Innocence Project. So I decided we're going to meet on Monday. I'm going to bring three exonerees with me. And they're going to tell their stories Two who were from Illinois, who had been the victims of the Chicago torture case. Uh, one spent 31 years wrongly convicted. Another was 28 years in prison. And then I had Mr. Donald, who was still really nervous. You have to also understand, Mr. Donald had only been out of prison for a few days after I met him. I mean, it wasn't very long but, you know, after he got out when I met him. So you've got three legislators, three exonerees, including Mr. Donald, and you've got an attorney from the Innocence Project, and you're all sitting down together. That's quite an extraordinary group. What happened at that dinner, and what was the outcome? We talked about the problem and what's needed here in Indiana. One of the senators really was interested in, well, they all were interested, but one took action. And he said, I'm going to connect you with some folks at Indianapolis. So he took me to the Capitol and he let me speak to all these different people about what I, I, I wanted done here in Indiana. And through the Innocence Project of New York, one of their attorneys, Beth Powers, she came to Indiana and she met with me 
and we worked on, we had conversations basically about what needed to be done in terms of a compensation packet. After hearing about Mr. Donald's ordeal, I realized that they needed money first and foremost, right? And initially the bill um, that was drafted was for $25,000 per year of wrongful conviction. I told them I was not going to accept that. They also initially in the bill had it where the exonerees, our current exonerees, would not be eligible for compensation. It's only for future exonerees. That's unacceptable. So a year later, came back to the table, met one of the authors of the bill, State Rep. Greg Stewart, who was very passionate about making things right for people who've been wrongly convicted. He and another senator drafted the bill. Beth Powers flew in from New York. I came and I invited our prosecutor from Lake County to come. I thought it would be really important to have a prosecutor sitting at that table. So we all sat around and we talked about what the tenets of the bill should look like. I didn't agree with some pieces of the bill. And I was told that um, even though I wasn't happy with some of the, the elements of the bill, that it would not get passed if I added the pieces that I wanted particularly. And that bill ended up being HB 1150, which was signed into law in 2019, making Indiana one of 35 states with a law to compensate the wrongfully convicted, which of course still means that there's 15 that don't have one, which is absolutely mind-blowing and terrible. Anyway, as great as it is that that law was finally passed and signed, you've said that you feel the bill is still flawed. What are some of the things you'd want changed? I did not like the fact that these exonerees would have to choose between compensation and litigation. I absolutely still am angry about that piece of the bill. We are re-victimizing these victims that we've already stolen so many years from. And I wanted it to be where they get compensation from the state of Indiana, but they also were able to pursue civil litigation. I explained to the people sitting at the table that, listen, if you and I got hit by a car, we have the right to sue that driver. We have that right. We were injured and we want to be made as whole as we can through civil litigation. We are now telling exonerees in the state of Indiana, we're not going to make you whole through, through litigation. So what's really happening at the end of the day is exonerees have to now choose between accepting compensation or accepting a settlement or whatever they would get from a lawsuit. Um, They can't do both. And I was told that's because it's double dipping. I don't view it as double dipping. I think there's different parties that have injured them and the state has injured them. And then there's also individual actors and agencies that have injured them. And I think those actors and those agencies have been given a pass, if you will, because if exoneree takes compensation, no one's going to be held accountable in that particular agency that may have caused the wrongful conviction. That is outrageous. So I would love to see us come back to the table and 
remove that piece. And so those individuals who harmed Mr. Donald or any exoneree in the state of Indiana intentionally, they should be held accountable. We held a man in prison for something he didn't do, but then the actors who intentionally did something, we're not doing anything to them. That doesn't seem fair to me. So, and when you say actors, you're talking about the prosecutors here who are pretty much immune from being sued in these cases, right? Yes. So I'm not a fan of absolute immunity for prosecutors. I think prosecutors, they are untouchable. And I think that is a problem. And a, a prosecutor who's a friend of mine said to me, Nikki, you have to understand that if we go with absolute immunity, prosecutors are going to be afraid to prosecute. And I said, okay, so what's the problem? I think that's okay. Then maybe it's going to scare you enough to say, I'm only going to prosecute a case where I have, without question, probable cause that this individual committed this crime. And unfortunately, police, some police and some prosecutors are very tunnel visioned. And that's how we end up with one to two percent of our prison population being actually innocent. That's a huge problem. And I don't think prosecutors go into their careers saying, oh, I want to convict innocent people. I don't think that at all. But I do believe it happens and it shouldn't happen. And I think there are times when prosecutors have information and they withhold that information. We know that now. Um, and when you commit a Brady violation, you should be held accountable. You shouldn't have that absolute immunity. And I believe that the person you injured it should be able to sue you. You can charge them criminally, but they can't come back and get you civilly because you went after them knowing that they probably were innocent. I mean, I'm not saying prosecutors do that routinely, but I do believe it happens. And I believe it happens more than it should. So that's one fix that's absolutely needed. What else do you feel needs to be fixed regarding this legislation? The other piece that, you know, that's problematic with our compensation bill is the actual application of the bill. Um, so the way that exonerees would, if they decide to take compensation, they have to fill out an application. And you can imagine this isn't really an easy task for somebody who's been locked up for decades, who's probably trying to navigate a computer, learning how to, you know, Google, use Word and everything else. But you know, it's all electronic. I, I'm sure you could probably download it and print it. But again, some exonerees will have to have some help, right? But regardless of that part of it, the reality is the exoneree has to prove his or her factual innocence. Think about that. The exoneree has to prove his or her factual innocence. So what the state is saying is that if you want to receive compensation, the burden is on you to prove that you're factually innocent. Well, do you think exonerees have money for DNA experts or other forensic experts? No, they don't. So basically what we're doing, they're being retried for this crime. They've already been exonerated. And now we're saying if you want to receive the $50,000 per year of your wrongful incarceration, then you're going to have to prove to this board 
that you were wrongly convicted and you are factually innocent. That's a heavy burden for an exoneree. It's a really big hurdle. And I would believe that it might detour some exonerees from applying. I mean, I, I just don't understand why it's so challenging. You know, there aren't that many exonerees. Will there be more coming out of Indiana prisons? Of course there will be. Hopefully there will be. We know there are innocent men and women sitting in prison. We need to get them out of prison. But again, it's very difficult to get them out. It's easy to get them in, but it's really a challenge to get them out. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity, and it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. I sit on two prison boards, and last week we had a board meeting, and I was at the um, Indiana State Prison, 
and I was very grateful that the warden allowed me to speak about this new initiative that I have established. But one of the things that I wanted to impress upon all of the board members sitting at the Indiana State Prison, including wardens from other prisons, is that we have innocent people sitting in prison. And because we have innocent people sitting in prison, we need to do better and we've got to make sure that we help these folks get out of prison and i heard somebody say well we don't have that many and i was like wow one is too many i mean you should have seen my face like really i mean this was in a private conversation it wasn't during the entire board meeting but somebody just did say to me it doesn't happen that often that's really a a a really horrific statement. It's like, what are you saying to me? What if it was your mother? What if it was your brother? What if it was your child? That one would be too many. And do you feel like you got through to them? I mean, did what you were saying actually land and did it make any difference? I think I, I think, <laughs> I think I think I got to some of them. I think some of them were, were really listening to me. Um, and, I don't think they understood, not, I mean, obviously they all care, they're human beings and they do care, but I think they just didn't understand that this is a real problem. And, you know, they, they refer to the inmates as offenders, right? That's what we, we go from prisoners to offenders to inmates. We have all these different terms for people who are locked up in, in prisons. And when somebody uses the term offender, I stop them because they're not all offenders. They're not, they're all prisoners, but they're not all offenders. So I don't like the use of the word offender to describe people who are in a carceral state. Okay, let's talk numbers because I know you've crunched these statistics. How many wrongfully convicted are currently incarcerated? Conservatively, conservatively, there's about 166,000 people who are sitting in our prisons who are, and this is so important for your audience to understand, these are people who are factually innocent. Not that they have, they're, they're sitting in prison because the police didn't properly Mirandize them, that they were wrongly convicted because of a technicality. They're in prison and they didn't commit the crime. That nothing to do with it. And that's, this is a low guesstimate, about 166,000 people. And that's out of a total, which this number should shock everyone into action. Over 2 million people in prison, right? I think we've dropped to 2.1 now. We're down to 2.1 because of COVID. So we, we have lost some, um, which is a good thing um, because we we did see releases of inmates during um, during the COVID period. So I, the last I looked a few months ago, there were 2.1 million. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. This wasn't really an interest of mine when I was in school, when I was teaching. I mean, as a professor for decades, I should have been talking more about these issues. And until I met Mr. Donald. I don't think it really hit me. And here I am, somebody who's, you know, supposed to be, you know, educated and is an expert, has this PhD. And if I don't get it, how could a layperson get it? And that is why it is so important for 
for this show. This is why it's important for the media to share these stories of, of people who've been wrongly convicted so people can better understand that it does happen and it can happen to anybody. It's really important. I mean, I take all of my classes now and somewhere in that class, I discuss the miscarriages of justice that are happening within our criminal justice system. In the old days, I talked about how the system works and now I, I talk about how the system is supposed to work. So my students understand the system is fallible and the system's fallible because humans are fallible. People are fallible. And I think because we are fallible, we have to open our eyes and say, okay, we've made an error. Now, how do we fix this error? How do we right a wrong? And I think that's the part that's hard for a lot of folks to wrap their heads around. You know, it's, it, people feel ashamed. People feel guilty that somebody's been wrongly convicted. I've had prosecutors say, well, you know, we get it right most of the time. Well, that's not a good response to me. That's unacceptable. Most of the time, that's unacceptable. Tell that to Mr. Donald and tell that to every other exoneree and every person who's sitting in prison right now who is factually innocent. Most of the time doesn't cut it. And I think, I hope, I believe through my voice, things have started to change here in Indiana and people are starting to listen and people are starting to say there is a problem. These senators and state reps before that dinner, they didn't think about these things. And they, they said, we didn't even know this was happening. We didn't even understand it. Thank you for bringing it to our attention. And so through education, we can make a difference and we can change what's happening. And I do, I, I, firmly believe that. And this is why I come and I talk to you and I go and talk to other people and media because it's so important to let the world know that, listen, not only are we wrongly convicting innocent people, but we continue to victimize those people when they get out of prison. And that has to end. Once we realize we locked up the wrong person, what we should be doing, we should be supporting them and assisting them just like we do other victims. We do that for crime victims. Why aren't we doing that for victims of a miscarriage of justice? So tell us about some of the things that are going on now, the work you're doing with the Center for Justice and Post-Exoneration Assistance and how you got that started. I understand you got a little help from a very close friend of mine, somebody I really admire. So thank you, Jason, for the introduction to Mr. Steve Simon, owner of the Indiana Pacers. Um, your kind introduction really helped me change what I could do in terms of helping exonerees here in Indiana. So Mr. Simon contacted me and said he was very interested in the work that I was doing. And when I went to meet him at the Pacers office and I showed him all the letters that I had received for help, I told him, I can't do this alone. Consequently, he offered to help fund this I guess he gave me some seed money to start the center and the university also helped so we could open up the center, which we did. Uh, the center is called the Center for Justice and Post-Exoneration Assistance. And we look at a host of different things, but really there's four things that we're, we're doing. One is clearly we're reviewing cases that are brought to our attention. And Mr. Donald is our project manager. There's no better lens than an exoneree 
in investigating these claims. The second piece that we're doing is education. As you know, I'm a professor, so education is important, and I believe education is the key to change. So we will be hosting forums, and we will be doing media, things like this, to inform the public of what is happening. The other thing we're working on is policy reform. There's a lot that needs to be changed here in our state and in other states, so I'm hoping that we're going to be a model, a good model, for other states to implement their own changes. One of the things that I would like to do, for example, is to see that the read technique is not used particularly with juveniles. I'd like to see it not used for anybody, but um, I know that's going to be impossible. But it would be great if police officers couldn't lie to those they're interrogating. And I, Illinois just passed a, a bill where they prohibit police officers from lying using deceptive techniques to get a false confession from somebody or any confession, right? So I'd love to see that happen here in Indiana, but there's all sorts of other things that need to be changed. Um, we're working on looking at the 13th Amendment, where we want to abolish slavery here in our state as well as the country. So I actually sit on a board called Free at Last Coalition, org, where we have people, very influential people, um, who are working and fighting very hard in their states and at a federal level so we can remove that piece of the 13th Amendment, which allows for convicted people to, to really to engage in involuntary servitude. That has to be removed. So that's the other piece that we're working on. Another piece that we're working on is obviously to provide assistance to those who, who have been exonerated. Um, in fact, right now I have a guy, his car got hit a couple weeks ago, and he doesn't have a car. And so we are helping pay for the repairs of his vehicle. The other piece that we're doing that I don't believe any center in the world is doing this is that we're offering services to family members of exonerees. They are the forgotten victims of a wrongful conviction. I want to be mindful and respectful that there are children, there are spouses, there are parents who suffered alongside the exoneree, and many of them are still suffering. So part of our work at the center is to help any family member who may need help in terms of mental health support, um, even financial counseling, financial advising, whatever we can do, we, we, well, we are working on creating an assessment to see what we can do to help them. And we're going to bring these exonerees and their family members together to recognize them here in Indiana and say, you have not been forgotten. You are just as important. That's amazing. And for our listeners who want to help or show their support or want to get some support for that matter, because it works both ways. We'll put the contact information and links to the websites and all of that stuff in our bio. But before we go on, I want to let our listeners know about next week's very special guest, Brittany White. Brittany went from incarceration in an Alabama prison to being an organizing fellow with Harvard Law School. <laughs> I mean, what? And the decarceration director for Live Free USA. How she managed to do that is an amazing story, so be sure and tune in. 
Now, Dr. Nikki Jackson, it's been so great to talk with you today. Thank you again for all the amazing work you're doing. And now we come to the final segment of our show. Well, there's two, really. The first one is a question, and it works like this. Let's pretend, let's, let's wish that I had a magic wand, and I wish I did, and I could grant you one wish, anything you want. What would you wish for? If I had a, a magic wand and I could just change one thing, I guess at the end of the day, if I had this magic wand, what I really would wish is that the criminal justice system is really founded on truth, truth more than justice, truth. I would love to see that truth would prevail over the lies that are being fed and created in our system. So if I had this magic wand and somebody said to me, I've been wrongly convicted, I wish there weren't so many barriers out there to get that person out of prison. I think it'd be great to not have so many barriers to get that individual out of prison. And I couldn't agree with you more. And now we're going to close out with, I I love this part. It's a segment we call Words of Wisdom. And here's what's going to happen. I'm going to turn off my microphone, turn up my headphones and kick back in my chair and just listen to you and anything else you want to share, anything you feel is left to be said. It's called Words of Wisdom. And thank you, Dr. Nikki Jackson. So what I would love for people to understand is that the folks who have been wrongly convicted, they have experienced something that those of us who have never been wrongly convicted can ever understand. And we need as a society to embrace them, to make sure that they feel welcome when they enter society. We need to provide services for them. We need to hold their hands and we need to look at them as if they are human. And I often hear people refer to exonerees as ex-offenders and we have to strip that. We have to humanize these individuals because they are human beings and they have been injured. They have been traumatized. And what I would love to see as a victimologist is that we can call them survivors, just like we do with other types of victims. We want the word victim to be replaced with survivor. And I would love for all of us to work collectively. We are a village to work together to help these folks become survivors. They can't do it on their own. They don't have the tools. We must embrace them and make sure that we help these folks get back into society the way they should and recognize them and make sure that we are there for them when they need us. And that's going to take hard work from all parties, including police, prosecutors, the media. The media is really important too, because the media tells us they flash pictures of people who suspected of, of crimes. And all of a sudden we believe that this person is a criminal and we run with that. And so the media also has to be really cautious with how they create their narratives of their crime, of, of their cases that they're, they're presenting. I think what I'm really trying to say is we have to remember we wronged a man or a woman, somebody's child, somebody's husband, somebody's parent, and we have to do the right thing. And sometimes doing the right thing isn't easy, but we must do the right thing. 
Thank you for listening to Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom. I'd like to thank our production team, Connor Hall, Annie Chelsea, Jeff Clyburn, Lila Robinson, and Kevin Wardis. The music in this production was supplied by three-time Oscar-nominated composer Jay Ralph. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Lava for Good. You can also follow me on both TikTok and Instagram at It's Jason Flom. Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom is a production of Lava for Good podcast in association with Signal Company Number no. 1. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today.